When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tuesday, August 3rd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, we got a lot to unpack here. It was a, it was a long weekend since we last talked, and, uh, you know, uh, the last time we talked, it was even longer just because of the situation with, with Terry Francona stepping aside from the Indians. Uh, now the Indians are, are, you know, they played a series in Chicago under DeMarlo Hale. Uh, they also went through a uh, a full day of trade deadline departures and arrivals. Uh, so uh, we're going to break down all of those, go through all the changes that have, that have occurred to the team since the last time we talked. And then, you know, just look at what happened to them over the weekend in the last couple of days and what we expect down the road here. Yeah, Joe, uh, my head is still on a swivel from uh, the trade deadline. I mean, everybody thinks uh, the Indians don't do anything, but if you look at their track record, you know, uh, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff, it's in their DNA. They've got to make moves by that deadline. And they were, they were in full, full mode, uh, full action mode uh, this time around. Well, let's go through a couple of them and, uh, and, and let's start with a couple that we, we you know, on Thursday we knew uh, the, the deal for Cesar Hernandez. He goes to uh, the White Sox. Uh, the Indians get back Connor Pilkington, a double-A pitcher, uh, from from the the Sox organization, uh, Pilkington, uh, a big left-hander, and he had a pretty good record. Uh, it, you know, all the uh, all the numbers say uh, this is a pretty high prospect. Yeah, he didn't pitch. You know, during the pandemic, Joe, but he was. I think going into that year, he was the 17th rated prospect by Baseball America in the White Sox organization. Uh, you know, they they like him as a starter. Um, like you said, a big physical left-hander, uh, go, he'll go to double a, and, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, the process, the return probably would have been, uh, you know, they could have, you know, extracted a, a higher prospect from the white Sox if they had been willing to pay Hernandez's contract, uh, like the 2 million, uh, about 2 million left on the contract, but uh, the white Sox Sox absorbed that. Uh, and uh, so they, you know, this is who they got. And I think it's just another college pitcher, Joe, another, I think he's from the university of Mississippi, you know, and, you know, just uh, <laughs> based on what they did in the draft and how, you know, they signed, you know, they drafted 21 players. They signed them all the last one uh, coming on uh, August 1st on Sunday, just under the deadline. So, you know, this is, a, this just follows the trend college pitching get those uh, and build up the depth in the system. And hopefully some of those guys get to the big league soon. On uh, Friday, after, after all the emotion and the, the news of, of Thursday night uh, on Friday, they, they spin a couple more deals, uh, some faces that, you know, we had, we had sort of grown accustomed to here this season. Uh, they started with Eddie Rosario, uh, who's still on the injured list, but he goes to Atlanta 
uh, in exchange for Pablo Sandoval. Uh, Sandoval was uh, almost immediately cut by the Indians. So no Kung Fu Panda uh, in <laughs> Cleveland. There really no place for, uh, for Pablo Sandoval. And, and I don't think he was playing much uh, in Atlanta anyways. Uh, Sandoval gets cut in exchange for Rosario. Pretty much a salary dump just for the rest of the season. Yeah, that was, you know, an exchange of salaries. Uh, you know, I think they took uh, Pablo Sandoval just to kind of balance the, the money going back and forth in the deal. But Atlanta and 500 grand, the Indians sent 500 grand to uh, the, the Braves. Uh, but I think they, they, they relieved themselves of more salary than, than the Braves. You know, they, they, it was basically, like you said, basically a salary dump. And, you know, I don't know about you, Joe, but the Eddie Rosario I saw here in Cleveland was not the Eddie Rosario I thought was coming to Cleveland. I just, I know he, he knew how to drive in a run, but I didn't see the power. I didn't see the uh, consistency that, and it just goes to show you that, you know, you can see a player 19 times during, during a season as an opposing player, as an opposing writer, as an opposing coach. I don't I mean opposing writer, but you know, the writer that covers <laughs> the other team, but, uh, but, but you, until you see him every day, you really don't know what kind of player he is. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The, the big question with Eddie Rosario was where was all the power? Where was all the pop? Where were, where were all the home runs? You know, that he was so good at, at hitting against Cleveland and hitting uh, in a Twins uniform at Progressive Field. We just never really saw it uh, for the Indians. And it's kind of disappointing, but at this point, you, you move on and you, you give other guys an opportunity to come up and, and take those at-bats and take those spots. And and even if uh, even if they don't produce, it still gives them an opportunity to to see where they belong. So that that's really sort of what your part of part of the return for the Eddie Rosario trade yeah. is being able to find out what Daniel Johnson can give you or what uh, you know Bradley Zimmer or Oscar Mercado can do over the long haul. Uh, the next uh, deal up on uh, on the slate was uh, a deal with the Houston Astros, uh, uh, kind of unexpected. Phil Maton. Uh, heading to the Astros in exchange for Miles Straw. Uh, they really like Straw, and uh, we'll, we'll get into some of the reasons later on why they like Straw as much as they do. But Phil Maton, uh, just for a moment here, you know, for, for folks who, who are saying, ah, good riddance to Phil Maton, he was terrible, this and that, uh, they, they, they really don't uh, get the big picture on this guy. Phil Maton was asked to pitch in a lot of games where starters went short, and he came in early. And it was a completely untenable situation. But if you look at his strikeouts per nine, if you look at his just overall effectiveness, Phil Maton's had a pretty darn good season. And he could he could be a weapon for a team that's contending uh, coming out of the bullpen. If you need a strikeout uh, in, a, in a sticky situation, Phil Maton's the guy just because of the movement and the spin that he can put on a ball. Well, I agree completely, Joe. Really an underrated reliever. The Indians got him for international signing money. Just a great, great, uh, a great get by uh, by the Indians. A great development by the Indians, and uh, they turned him into uh, you know what what they hope is uh, you know their starting center fielder for the next four or five years. Yeah, uh, the the return was was Miles Straw, a guy that uh, Chris Antonetti and and the the front office had coveted. Uh, he gives you uh, first and foremost, he gives you speed. Uh, he can put the bat on the ball. He, he has a little bit of pop, not, not much, but, but really this guy can transform your outfield all, all in all by himself. 
Yeah, as long as Daniel Johnson doesn't run into him and then run him over. Oh, <laughs> Not, oh my so, goodness. I think I think uh, I think uh, I think uh, Miles Straw should be all right. We're, we're we will talk about that moment that you're referencing there uh, as, as we get after we get through these uh, these trades. Uh, so we've got Phil Maton, Eddie Rosario, Cesar Hernandez, uh, Jordan Luplo. We hardly knew ye. Uh, uh, Luplo comes off the the DL. He's activated and then he's immediately shipped off. Uh, Luplo heading out to the Rays. Uh, so he gets a chance, and he he posted on his uh, on his Instagram. Now he gets to go chase a ring with the Rays, which is interesting, an interesting way to put it. Uh, the return for Jordan Luplo, Peyton Battenfield, uh, a starting pitcher from the the Tampa Bay organization. Yeah, and uh, you know Peyton is going to uh, uh, Akron into the Akron rotation with uh, Pilkington, another college pitcher, another guy that I mean he's got great strikeout. Uh, Great whip, great strikeout numbers, you know, compared to innings pitched. Kind of a promising guy. I think he was a fifth or sixth round pick of a Houston, I, I believe. Right, and, right. And, and, and got, traded, uh, got traded to Tampa Bay. And I think as soon as they made that deal, the Rays made that deal, Luplo and DJ Johnson, who was another part of the deal, were sent to AAA. Now, I don't know if they're still there or, you know, Luplo is going you know, have to have to get called up. But, you know, the Rays make a lot of moves. <laughs> from day to day. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, I hope Luplo gets back up and gets a chance to uh, get into the postseason. And most of all stays healthy. Yeah. That's the, the big key for Jordan Luplo is as long as he's healthy, he's been a productive right-handed bat, especially against lefties. Uh, if you're a contending team going down the stretch, you, you want a, a right-handed bat like Luplo, especially being able to come off the bench and, and give you quality at bats uh, in the playoffs. Uh, we, we've seen him come up with some big clutch hits for the Indians over the, the last few years. So, uh, you know, good luck to, to Jordan Luplo as he's, he's heading to, to Tampa. So, so that wrapped up uh, Friday's trade deadline uh, sort of madness. Uh, and, then, and then they get into the game on Friday night and all hell breaks loose. Poinsy, <laughs> what's going on with the Indians and the White Sox uh, and, and Tony La Russa uh, was was sprinting out of the dugout to shove Roberto Perez in the chest when Jose Abreu gets hit in the head uh, on a on a curveball. <laughs> it was it was crazy. That was that was something else. And uh, you know, Karen Check hits him in the head. Uh, you know, R- Perez is is leading over him to see if Abreu's okay. And and seventy uh, six year old Tony Larusa comes top trudging out of the dugout I thought he was going to fall over and he pushes Perez out of the uh out of the way <clears throat> he's lucky Perez didn't pop him one like a uh, Pedro 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 uh, Martinez, Martinez and Don Zimmer I mean right. it was like <laughs> yeah if La Russa had bum rushed uh uh you know Roberto Perez I, I don't know if uh if Roberto grabs him around the neck the way that uh Pedro did but uh did Don Zimmer but uh, yeah, that was that was really just sort of shocking, and and it continued on throughout the whole series. It was a close, tight series. Uh, you know, I think Friday night's game was the only one decided by two runs. The other two were were one run games. Uh, the Indians lose two out of three, but still, just Demarlo Hale said after the game, "You've got to love the way that that these two teams are playing each other lately." It's seven and seven so far this year, <laughs> with five games remaining between the two clubs. And 
I, I think 10 of the 14 games have been decided by one run. Yeah, just uh, really a tight series. The Indians have played really well against a team that loaded up in the offseason, continued to load up. They, they think this is their year to win. Um, and I loved uh, what Fran Mel Reyes did after Friday night's game. You know, he knew what he knew to LaRusse's reputation. He knew that he just, and he just got walks, invites himself into the zoom room and said, if anybody throws at me or any of my guys, there's going to be a problem. And, and a couple guys got hit, but you know, I mean, but nobody right. threw it, nobody threw it Fran Mill for sure. And uh, it was just, it was just a crazy kind of a weekend. It was just like good baseball, huge crowds, like, Crowds of 36,000 a night, and you don't, you know, I've been going. We've been going to Guaranteed Rate Field for or the South Side of Chicago for a long time, and I don't remember crowds like that. You know, in, at the end of July, early August, even when they were good, you know. So, you know, the the crowd was into it. They're throwing bobbleheads at Oscar uh, Mercado, uh, Yohan. <laughs> the wrong guys' bobbleheads are thrown at. <laughs> Apparently they didn't want the uh, Yon Moncada bobblehead. They just said, here, go ahead, take one, Oscar. Uh, <laughs> not, not the ideal situation, but yeah, I just from afar watching the, the intensity of it and the, uh, the rivalry, that, that's good. The Indians need that. And especially, you know, heading down the stretch, we, <laughs> we're going to need a reason to want to watch these guys. And looking forward to that five-game uh, series later on this year, uh, the last time these two teams will meet will be at Progressive Field. It uh, should be a fun time, uh, at least one doubleheader in there. So a lot of baseball left between these two clubs. Yeah, and I think, Joe, I think you saw that intensity carry over until uh, till Monday night, Monday against the Blue Jays because the Indians played well again. Yeah, and this is a team, uh, you know, the Blue Jays, the last time the Indians played them, uh, it was it was ugly. The, the Blue Jays offense is as good as you're going to see in Major League Baseball. Their lineup is stacked from top to bottom, and they've added since the – the last time the two teams played, they've added George Springer into the mix. And and he really wasn't uh, a factor against Eli Morgan. Eli Morgan sort of atoned yesterday for the uh, these major league debut in a monsoon that he had, <laughs> where pretty much everything he was throwing was straight and over the plate and middle-middle and getting crushed. Uh, yesterday, not the case. Nine strikeouts for Eli, Eli Morgan. I, that was impressive. I, I didn't realize he was up to nine strikeouts until I'm looking at the box score at the end of the game uh, and, and writing it up. It's just uh, impressive that he was able to, to keep things as under control as he was against that great lineup. Yeah, that was, what, the first time he's gone into the sixth inning or re- recorded an out in the sixth inning, and he looked strong, Joe. I mean, uh, like you said, you know, he, you know, five scoreless innings, uh, gives up the home run to uh, Guerrero in the six, but uh, other than that, it, you know, he was that. That's that was lights out pitching, and uh, you got to, you know, give the guy credit. He he got sent down, you know, so he could keep pitching at Columbus. He came back and turned in a performance like that, and uh, you know, I don't think he's going to get sent down again after. A game no, like that. no, they need him. Uh, it it really it, it keyed on the fastball for Eli Morgan ever since. Uh, I think the uh, the last, what, three, four starts at the major league level for him, uh, as long as he is pitching and establishing his fastball and throwing it more, his changeup has become more effective. And and he's the first to admit that. It's something he said in postgame. He said, uh, you know, the, the game plan was to throw the fastball more and it makes the changeup better and drop a slider in there every so often. 
It keeps him uh, keeps him honest. His his changeup has got his changeup is already really good, and his reputation out there right now is you know the changeup is really good. Look for it, and and these guys uh, he he's got him. He's pitching backwards to him basically, and and that's uh, it's made him more effective over his last three or four starts. And Joe, what do you think? Uh, you know, guys like McKenzie and Mejia. You know, you've got Morgan, all these young pitchers that have been forced into this rotation. When you look down the road, do you, do you see any guys that can really maybe join Beaver and Savali next year and, and make that rotation even better? I, I think the names that you mentioned, uh, definitely Morgan and uh, McKenzie can be can be serviceable in the rotation, I think. Uh, Mejia might be sort of an in-between guy, maybe uh, maybe better suited for a relief situation. Who, who knows? They still I, like they still like I, him a lot, but his cutter is what what he relies on, and that's that really should be a relief pitcher's pitch. Uh, yeah, and I forgot about Quantrill too. Quantrill's been great right, too. Right, exactly. Uh, I think all four of those names that you've mentioned right there are guys who, for the rest of this season, are going to get that sort of four A. Uh, experience that that they lacked last year and that you know they really were sort of forced to miss this year um it's that last step in your development happens at the major league level well now they're going to get that opportunity they're going to get that opportunity over the next two months uh that's where their development will go and then going into next season you know who knows they could be at that Savali police act beaver level all right uh you know we mentioned Yesterday's game, uh, really sort of the one of the big standout players and standout plays from the game. Uh, but, you know, besides Jose Ramirez hitting the two-run home run off of Brad Hand. Uh, Miles Straw, we mentioned him earlier as the acquisition that the, the Indians sort of coveted on, on the trade deadline. Uh, makes a sliding catch to lead off the ninth inning. Teoscar Hernandez put one that was going to be in the gap for a leadoff double. Uh, the... The, the Blue Jays were going to be in business to score the go uh, the game-winning run off of Brian Shaw. And out of nowhere, uh, Straw comes in. He, he closes on the ball really well. Uh, DeMarlo Hale said after the game, he saw the ball at the bat, and he said, aw, sh-. he, he, he said, aw, shucks, but he didn't say shucks. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Straw tracks it down, makes a sliding catch. Uh, Shaw goes on, strikes out the next two, and the Indians – end up winning the game. Uh, Straw had a double, uh, two hits, scored two runs, just an all-around great game, and they sort of showed why the Indians wanted him on the roster. Yeah, definitely, and, uh, you know, he hit a home run, I think, uh, for the Indians' only run on Sunday in the 2-1 to loss to, uh, to, to the White Sox, so, you know, they think uh, this guy, uh, you know, Chris Antonetti pr- – basically raved about him, basically gave him the center field job, said this guy's a premium defender, a pr- impacts the game on the bases. You know, I think he's third in the American League in stolen bases. So, uh, you know, he's going to get a chance to play. And uh, if his bat comes around, uh, you know, they've got, uh, you know, a really, really solid, they've, they, you know, they have a chance to have a really solid leadoff hitter slash uh, center fielder. Right. All right. Well, we'll look forward to uh, coverage of, Tonight's game, again, Zach Plesak and Hinjin Ryu uh, at Rogers. I keep trying to call it Sidome. It's Rogers Center. Uh, at Rogers Center. Uh, we're not there. No, uh, no local media are there. Uh, kind of the, the, the 
sort of COVID situation. Uh, the border hasn't opened back up yet until the ninth, so uh, we miss out on on traveling with the team there. But we'll uh, we'll look forward to following the the rest of this series, and then the Indians come back home uh, at the end of the week. Oinzi, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. All right, Joe.